Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor here at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, so you know what that means. Mike Graham is here with me. How are you doing, Mike? Hey, doing good. Week one's in the books, and what a week it was. I'm really looking forward to what's on tap this week. And you don't look dead tired, so that's a positive as well. I know uh, usually that's the one big thing everyone kind of feels is just the, the jet lag from covering all these games. and. Obviously, the late nights, but looks like you're really kind of excited for this football season. Anything that really kind of stands out to you from this week before we kind of go through some of the big games going into this week? I know you got four you want to talk about. We'll talk a little bit of volleyball, but my biggest impressions and your biggest impressions, I think, is what we'll start with. Yeah, sure. And I think we covered this a lot um, with the uh, Seth Parr podcast yep. that came out on Monday. Really impressed with Sawyer Robertson. Think he's the real deal at Coronado. Um, at the same time, very optimistic about what Estacado is able to do. We put out a column on that. Mm-hmm. I think that they're a serious contender for the Region 1 uh, title just on defense alone. And you look at their football game against Coronado, which they lost 40-12. to It was 19-12. to at halftime, and, and very much Estacado could have been in charge of that game because mm-hmm. um, Coronado's first two touchdowns of the half, they came on um, fourth, fourth and down goal conversions. conversions. Yeah. yeah, fourth and goal conversions, one being fourth and two, one being fourth and ten. Um, and then they had an additional five points in that half, though that was a field goal and a block PAT return mm-hmm. for uh, a conversion. So really, I mean, the score could have been 12 to 5 at, at halftime easily. And when you look at some of those things, obviously the the one thing that stood out to me, and I told you while I was in the press box kind of watching it, the defensive line for Estacado was really moving some bodies there from Coronado. Of course, uh, for those that are unaware, Coronado is a Class 5A Division One school and Estacado a Class 4A Division Two. So certainly you have that factor in there. But uh, one of the fun things about it, of course, is just the crosstown rivalry. First time those teams have played since 1995. That was about as rocking as I have seen Lowry in a very long time. And you could feel the electricity on the field as you were kind of watching the game. And I think uh, it, it, this is definitely something that should continue to go if, if possible because I know – the, the reasons that maybe it doesn't happen, but certainly I think it's a, a very fun treat for the Lubbock locals. Yeah, I think the point you're getting at is that Estacado is a school of about 750 to Coronado's 2100. So, yeah. like, I mean, just think about how many times over Coronado can field a new football team compared yeah. to Estacado, um, which is why they've been hesitant to play in the past. But their, their talent levels are – well, Estacado's talent level is there to compete against Coronado here in this day and age. Um, yeah, I, I was really thrilled with it, too. I think that the only time I've ever seen people at Lowry feel more excited to be at a game would be some kind of deep regional round playoff um, experience at Lowry uh, for, for week one uh, for an intercity Lubbock competition. I've never seen any better. Uh, it was very close to being a sellout. Funny you mention that because I remember covering Abernathy Post, and that kind of had the same feeling. That, of course, was a deep playoff round for both teams. Abernathy was able to win that one in a close one, and that's one of the fun things about getting that type of atmosphere. Sometimes the game just always hinges on some sort of game-changing play, or sometimes it's a last-second deal, and that's what just makes them fun. But overall, certainly like that pick. Uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention, I, I know it would be tough to really forget about it, but Austin Phillips, that that kid is a dude. Yeah, and that, that'll bleed us into our first topic of the day. Uh, but we're talking about a kid that went 49 um, for 66, mm-hmm. 608 yards, and uh, quite a few touchdown passes. I mean, I think that 
we're working on stats as we speak right now, but we mm-hmm. think that the three leading receivers are going to be friendship guys too. So there, there are a lot of positive signs in spite of them turning over the ball four times and losing, I believe, what, 48-41 to, yep. to, to Amarillo High. And they led it a couple times late yeah. in, in that game, and I know that's one thing uh, I know you're going to talk to Coach uh, Jay Northcutt. Uh, obviously, the, we're recording this on Tuesday. This will probably come out Wednesday, but certainly going to be a, a fun time for friendship. I know we talked about it. They have the firepower. It's just they have to get that defense. And one of the biggest things, and maybe I can't think of the word, but I guess the uh, silver lining, so to speak, is turnovers can be fixed. Yeah, no you, doubt. Oh. You know, th- those can be fixed. And I know you mentioned the numbers. One of the important things that I also wanted to mention is Austin Phillips, who's a senior quarterback for the Friendship Tigers, is up for Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. You can Vote on that at texasfootball.com. Of course, he had the three touchdowns and the one touchdown rushing. So good luck to him for that. But in terms of the good luck, uh, the Tigers are going to look to snap a 12-game or 13-game losing streak, I, I believe. Yep, 12. It is 12. 12. I, 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 I misspoke um, off air. It's it's 12 dating back to their by-district playoff loss in 2016 and obviously a winless 2017 under mm-hmm. first-year coach Jay Northcutt. And, and frankly, this is the most winnable. Frankly, this is the most winnable game on their schedule. Um, they're playing from Class Four A Division One, mm-hmm. very good Four A Division One team in Wichita Falls, Hershey. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have numbers to throw at them, and I, I think that they took an enormous step forward from last season, in spite of losing to Amarillo High. I mean, we're talking about a by district playoff team that uh, um, gave, I believe it was Monterey, some some trouble in the postseason last year, and Monterey was a good football team too. Well, well, here's the here's the thing that I'll say, and, and I know you kind of brought it up, turnovers. When you have four turnovers, I I can't remember what the clear what the cliche is but coaches always say if you give up two turnovers that's almost like a touchdown yeah no doubt which that's what they lost by unfortunately but i think if you can take away the turnover certainly the offense is there as you mentioned we're doing stats those will run on i believe it's thursday in the the newspaper Mm -hmm. uh you can kind of see how those things turn out for friendship and of course all the other uh teams that we cover in the lone star varsity area of course send your stats to sports at lubbockonline.com but when you look at what they are, they are an offensive-based team. They're going to throw the football as much as they can, be wide open, fun to play in. The biggest thing they have to do is when you have something like that, your defense has to be on key and you cannot turn the ball over because that's a situation where then you're going to put your defense at a bad spot because you may be, I don't know, on the 30-35 and you're giving a short yardage or a short field, pardon me, for the opposition. And not only that, but then your defense gets tired and certainly – in a 48-41 to 41 game, I can't imagine anyone wasn't tired in that game. Yeah, what I'm imagining for, for friendship, like the big vision here, is that they're going to kind of look like Mike Leach's Texas Tech back in the day where they're going to try to light you up early. But the problem is, you're right, you score so fast, defense kind of have to be on the field for a long time. Mm-hmm. Eventually they're going to give away, so you better build yourself a good cushion. Friendship's been um, flashing signs that, it, that it's dramatically improved on offense. So excited to see what they do against Hershey. And obviously Hershey's got a game plan of its own to, to probably play ball control and run the clock and get out of there and, and avoid the full force of friendship, being able to rotate players in and out and, and try to wear it down with depth. And, and they have a heck of a player to, to lead the way, and DeMarqua Foster, who's a senior running back. I believe he's got an offer from SMU, and, yeah, he. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a football game he's played in where he hasn't hit 150 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the one big thing is that they're at home. Hershey has to make the travel, and maybe that, that does something. I know uh, just from uh, talking to friends and, of course, having some other uh, football players, there's something to traveling and maybe sitting in the same seat for a while. you got to stretch out maybe a little bit more. It takes you kind of out of your comfort zone because you're not used to kind of doing your own routine. And 
we'll see if that is able to help the Tigers as they kind of get fired up in front of their fans at People's Bank Stadium, but certainly it should be a fun one. I know that one starts at 7.30. 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. They're, they're the one seven o'clock. Uh, we've got two other games we're going to talk about that are at 7.30, but that one's at 7 o'clock. You will be at that one, of course, Mike Graham, at AJ underscore Mike Graham. Should be a fun one, but uh, we've obviously got three other ones that, ch- that, that you want to chat about. Yeah, the next one is uh, Lovett Cooper at Coronado, technically Coronado's home opener, although they played at Lowry Field last week. Cooper, um, I'm trying to think about my words for them because I, I think they're going to be a really good team. I, I think that they they are capable of competing for um, the Region 1 title. They're in, a perennial in, in playoff team yeah. as long as Max Catwinkle is at, is at the helm. No doubt. Yeah. And, and that region is so wide open. You know, This is obviously their former district opponent, and they like the competition, so they're mm-hmm. keeping the game uh, in the non-district phase of the season. Um, but Cooper really struggled to put away Andrews. I think they yeah. had 42-28 lead in the fourth quarter, and it ended up that Andrews took the lead, and uh, Cooper had to kick a uh, 31-yard field goal with two seconds left to, to hang on to what had once been an easy win. You do that against Coronado, you're dead meat. But um, there, were, there was a lot to like, and it, I think it all starts with uh, Brendan Mell, their quarterback. Mm-hmm. We put him on our Lone Star Varsity uh, first team, super team. Um, 23 for 37, 311 yards, three touchdowns to one interception. So it's so not a bad uh, resumption for him. One interesting thing, I know you kind of mentioned the story a little bit earlier, but Isaiah Johnson, he could be a potential game changer if they are able to add him to the varsity roster. Of course, we're still trying to figure that one out, but mm-hmm. that could be a big one for them. But I think when you have something with the quarterback position with a Brandon Mel, I think you're going to be okay. The one thing that they have to work on is their defense. And I, I know Andrews is a very – very potent offense especially with with their quarterback it doesn't matter who's back there it just seems like they're just throwing for multiple touchdowns and not only that but over 500 yards it seems almost every game so just to be able to get that victory I know like you said the game was somewhat in hand early on but I think the fact that you can at least uh, take the the silver lining that you did get the victory you were in that situation you didn't uh, wilt under the adversity you were able to get that big kick from your kicker I think that's going to play very very well for Cooper as they go into this one yeah and uh it doesn't get any easier with obviously Blair Conright Caden Gasly and John Hernandez being the uh, key Mustang receivers all returning from their uh, regional championship appearance last year um I think that the key in this one for them is Cooper's got some very good linebackers starting with Jared Gibson Mm -hmm. they they got big numbers and and they weren't really a a factor you know the the big thing I think for Cooper is that they're trying to figure out what they're going to do in life after uh, Jake Kirkpatrick who is now part of the Texas Tech program yep I think that if they apply pressure on Sawyer Robertson maybe they can do some things there they obviously have a little bit more depth than Estacado did um defensively if they can put pressure on him and rattle him he's still a new quarterback and, and we'll see I mean it's just another great test for uh, someone that I think in this office we think is going to be uh, someone we talk about a lot for the next three seasons. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to probably be the game plan almost every time Sawyer Robertson comes out, and I think he's kind of maybe relishing in that fact is that they're game planning for you because you are, quote-unquote, a young quarterback. They want to see if they can rattle you, but here's the funny thing. They've got a pretty good running back in Caleb Manuel that can kind of take the pressure off and if you load the box too much to try and rattle the kid you got Blair Conn right up top yeah you're exactly right and uh, kind of weird held to negative yardage on, on sacks basically yeah. last week Caleb Manuel I think ran eight times for 60 yards yeah which like I said 
Estacado's got a bunch of dudes on that defensive line. Watch out for that team in the Matadors. But uh, that one, of course, will be at 7.30 at uh, Plains Capital Park at Lowry Field. We'll have Jeff Tunnell, our freelancer, there at that one. We've got another game uh, where we're going to have a freelancer, David Gay. I know, uh, at least for me, I've covered this one a couple times. Sundown and Abernathy, two teams that just contrasting styles, and that's what makes it fun. Abernathy wants to try and run the ball, play ball control, play solid defense. Sundown. Doesn't have uh, their their previous coach, uh, who is now. Oh man, I'm I'm uh, kind of brain farting right he, now. He left. Uh, oh, that, that's right. So Sundown now has the uh, Hale Center head coach. Pardon yep. me. Yep. And uh, just one of those deals where, man, it's just going to be fun because they want to throw the ball around. So it's going to be this contrasting style. Can they score enough to where you force Abernathy to throw the football, or can Abernathy get in front and see if you can run the clock out and put the pressure on their offense, which. He's going to be very good with the Christian Huey at quarterback and, of course, Stephen Quintanilla, who not only is a good football player, but he's also good on cross-country and track and field. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. A state championship in, in both other sports uh, as an individual. Um, what I think about this game is it's so interesting that, that they're playing because you have Bryson Daly from Abernathy and uh, Christian Huey from Sundown, and yep. they're pretty much conjoined at the hip when it comes to accolades, and they have been since they were freshmen, and they'll continue to be next year when they're seniors. Um, on the baseball team, they were co-hitters of the year together. They're pretty good. <laughs> in football, uh, they're they're kind of in your first breath of, of playmakers. Bryson Daly is going to enter this game with 191 rushing yards on, on 10 attempts, and he's our area leader in rushing yards thus far. Um but beyond them, I, I just—I mean, what what a game! What a way to what a way to get this thing started! And uh, obviously, a rematch of uh, last year's District Two Two A Division One game. And that's the other small little level. I mean, you got so many layers to this game. And and again, this is a small school type big atmosphere that you're going to get. Both both towns are going to go for, or should I say, Sundown's going to go all the way to Abernathy. Of course, Abernathy's going to shut down to get to this game. So it's going to be a wild atmosphere. It should be fun. And of course, Adam Cummings now. The name comes to mm-hmm. me for sundown. I mean, I spoke to him earlier this year, and he is just pleased as peach to have a, an offense with the type of talent that he has right now, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be on display against them. But Abernathy's always had a solid defense, so it should be a fun one. Sure, and then one one final game because it features our other two favorite quarterbacks. It's uh, Cutter Sparks and Shallowwater traveling to go play uh, Chris Gerber in Level Land. Yeah, and and you talk about a quarterback led game. I mean, you you say those two names and you know what teams you are talking about. You say Cutter Sparks, he really exploded onto the scene last year against Idaloo, who they just defeated once again in the regular season opener. And not only that, but handedly. I mean, Idaloo was unable to get anything going. Cutter Sparks seemed to be in mid-season form already. Brian Wood has his guys kicking and 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 just uh, really just all on all cylinders right now following that 10-2 and season and that big playoff run for them. I think they are ready. They're hungry. And not only that, but then you've just got so many other key playmakers that play Multiple sports, as we see at the small school level, of course, you got Hayden Hayden Vanderoist, who's a who was our Lone Star Varsity uh, MVP or future MLB player. Oh, well, there you go. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> player Player of the Year. So anyway, there you go. Breaking here, news right there. The area, Breaking but, uh, news. <laughs> you know what? Um, let's just go back for a minute to uh, Charlotte Waters' game against Idaloo. Sure. I had a different take on it. I, th- I thought it was kind of a, just a slugfest between them. Because, because okay. Shallow Water never really pulled away. It was just a 21-6 game. And that, that's good experience. And, yeah. and that, that, that comes to my next point. Shallow Water had to grind against what I think is an improved Idaloo team. Level Land 
rolled over Plainview, 36 nothing. Well, and he, here's some uh, stuff that I had heard because I was talking to the Plainview editor, uh, the sports editor, Alex Cubit. Apparently, Andrew Villa got hurt. Yeah. So that's the tough thing. When you lose kind of like your leading rusher, your leader, that's always tough. And, of course, the defense wasn't working after that because you sometimes have to play those kids both ways. I believe he played defensive back for them as mm-hmm. well. That's just a tough loss for them. But, again, just to your point, I, I agree it was a little bit of a slugfest, but that's the thing. Idaloo wants to milk the clock, and I think Shallow Water was able to be good on offense to where they were able to score on consecutive possessions, and that's what's allowed them to kind of force Idaloo into what they're not comfortable with, which was passing the football, which is what happened last year. It just wasn't as big of a deficit as it was this time, the last time around, pardon me. And this game is a rematch. This Shallow Water Level Land game is a rematch of a 35-21 game. I think yep. that was the score. I covered that game last year, and it was kind of uh, the the second coming out party for uh, for Cutter Sparks because um, you know we we just didn't know what to make of, of Shallow Water after yep. one win against Idaloo and, mm-hmm. and beating a 4A Division One program at the time. Obviously, Level Land's fallen to Division Two. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. So uh, excited to see what happens now that this series turns to level land after being played in shallow water last year. Chris Gerber, um, pretty good. You know, he's a guy that uh, almost amassed four thousand total yards off to a slow start from yep. the Plainview game. I think that I think that he got pulled early is is what I'm reading into the stats without mm-hmm. having a conversation with Curtis Lowry on yep. what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's definitely a game that I'm going to have my eye on while doing my own game. I mean, it, it could be a deal, and again. This is just me kind of projecting stuff, but that could be a 45, you know, 44 game just with the way the offenses are, with the way, as you mentioned, Chris Gerber's a dual-threat quarterback. Cutter Sparks in his own right. I know everyone talks about his arm, but he can run too. Mm-hmm. I think that's one other fun thing that can kind it's of add. His nails. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he will put his he- helmet down and he will smack you down. And that's one of the fun things too about these type of games is you, you kind of build these small little rivalries sometimes during the non-district season, and that kind of gets you riled up for district. And I think that's the whole reason Brian Wood and, of course, Curtis Lowry make make these type of games. You want to prepare yourself for district, and this will certainly do that for both teams. One last thing, uh, Hale Center at Lubbock Christian is a, a game I'm looking forward to. Alex Timmons, uh, quarterback, I think. He's I, impressed honestly, early. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'd probably endorse him. He's in our poll for Player of the Week, and I, yep. I think that's the way I would vote. 25 carries, 204 yards. Uh, more than 300 passing yards, more touchdowns. It, it was a heck of a night for them. Um, you know, 56-38 win against Dimmit. And they're, they're going up against Hale, Hale Center, who mm-hmm. uh, now has Jeff Smith from uh, the yeah. old Brownfield coach. Um, and they got a 45 nothing win against uh, New Home. So yeah. we, we've got a good small school game there. Now, now, again, of course, for those that are unaware, New Home making its debut in the 11-man game. So, of course, you can kind of take that with a grain of salt, if you will. But still, you have to play the game. Mm-hmm. So certainly uh, credit to Jeff Smith getting his first victory at the uh, helm of the Hale Center Owls. But I think the one thing that you have to look at with this game, at least when you're looking at Hale Center and Lubbock Christian, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I want to say that they're going to be our most underrated team this year because it seems like every year we don't really mention Lubbock Christian maybe halfway through the season, then all of a sudden you kind of look at the stats, which you'll be doing, and you're like, why are these guys averaging so many yards? And why are they not allowing so many yards against each other? They they are just a solid team under Chris Softley, and I think that's the one thing that you can kind of take from it is they're always consistent, but the one thing that – 
you won't notice. Sometimes they don't have that big win. Like they're not playing that big team, but they're just so, so good that some teams just don't want to play them. Yep, very consistent. Obviously coming off their Taps Division three state semifinal yep. appearance last year, there's an obvious goal and only really one place to go this year. I wonder where that is. Yeah. <laughs> state. Yeah. yeah, just got to get by McKinney Christian, which seems to have reloaded. But no. um, there's a lot of – I mean, this their district is, is tougher than it was last year, and it yeah. all starts with uh, Trinity Christian. From, yeah, from yeah, I was going to say, town. Trinity Christian kind of reloaded. I know they've got Daniel Wheeler coming back. That, and all you really need in that district, even though it doesn't seem like it, is just one or two playmakers, and you are good because yeah. they play both ways. And then once you have those two guys that can make plays – you have to try and devise for them, and then all of a sudden another kid steps up for it, you. It is pretty amazing. I mean, these schools are, are far, far smaller than our uh, standard two ways. Yes. And uh, they've got some serious talent. I think about Z Claude. I think he might be a division yeah. one guy. Um, I think Daniel Wheeler is probably going to get some looks. I agree. Over, over the course of the season, six foot five dude. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, he's a dude. It's, he's they, a dude. They, it's it's going to be fun to track that district this year. That's for sure. By the way, Shamrock playing. Um, Trinity Sorry, Christian. Trinity Christian is playing Shamrock yes. uh, uh, Saturday. So if, you, if you're not feeling Texas Tech, you can go out to Level Land, uh, which serves as Trinity Christian's home stadium, mm-hmm. and see them go against Shamrock. I think that's going to be a pretty good game, too. Back-to-back games for Level Land. No doubt. And it's a nice little press box, too, for those that haven't been there. Yes. Not only that, but then it's just a nice little stadium just to go and watch a game. I mean, it, I want to say it's about three or four years old. Definitely. it's Something it's, like that. Again, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get calls because I forget. But I remember someone told me a story when I was in the press box when it was built. I, for some reason, I cannot remember right now. But certainly should be fun. And uh, I, I, anything else you kind of wanted to throw out there? I know we kind of brought our thoughts from last year. Or last year, geez, man. I'm just thinking too much here. From last week. Any overlying thoughts that you see from any of these games or maybe something that maybe we haven't even thought of so far? No, I, th- I think we've covered it. I think we've done a pretty good job of going back into last week and yeah. pulling what we know. You know, um, it, the early part of the season, even here at the Avalanche Journal office, is kind of an educational process. We're just yeah. learning little things about these teams that we're yeah. going to apply. And so, like, I'm sure there are going to be some surprises. Yeah. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to getting out there. We've got a pretty good slate of coverage this week, I think. And as I alluded to earlier, we're going to talk a little bit of volleyball. Let's see uh, what kind of happened here. I know I saw Friendship got a big victory over Trinity Christian. That's certainly uh, something not to scoff at. Trinity Christian, of course, uh, looking for its, I want to say its fourth straight uh, state title. At Fifth, the yeah. Fifth. And uh, again, I, so many I forget. Just today, Tuesday night, as we record this, uh, Trinity Christian bounced back from that loss against Friendship. Yeah, they went against Bushland, which was I think I think that was their marquee matchup last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Bushland had just won a UIL four A title. Mm-hmm. They had just won their Taps four A title. Um, Bushland always is a, a regional power, and uh, Trinity Christian took care of them in three sets. And not only that, but then uh, they kind of bounced back a little bit at that tournament. I can't remember where it was at or what it was named, but I know it was an out of town tournament. They went three and zero the first day. I want to say two and one the second day, mm-hmm. and then they kind of used that momentum going into this Bushland game. So certainly some good things going for Trinity Christian, who not only has a really good football team, but they've got a very very solid volleyball program over there with Tyler Neal. Yep, and uh, friendship obviously continues to impress. They are twenty and eight now. Randy True doing work. Denver City is still a one loss volleyball team. Mm-hmm. Lubbock Cooper hasn't lost in District Three Five A, and. Um, 
just another one. Uh, why am I blanking on this? I already, I already referenced Denver City, didn't I? Yes. Well, he, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I can't remember because I didn't see the rankings, but I know last week Denver City was ranked number one. I'm guessing they're still ranked well, number one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be shocked if they're not. Yeah, that would be pretty unfair if they took that away from them uh, yes. based on, on their body of work. Um, and we're waiting for shallow water to turn it on right now. Yeah. No. Well, here's the thing about shallow water. It happens – Happens with Amy Magnum and the Phillies. Same thing with the Phillies and and uh, Coach Darden uh, with with basketball. You don't hear about them for a while, and then all of a sudden you look. Oh, they've got twenty five wins and they're in the playoffs. Same thing with Amy Magnum and the Shallowwater Phillies. You don't look at them for a while, and then all of a sudden, oh, they got twenty plus wins and they're going to make a run in the playoffs. And I think that's the most important thing. Is yes, you have your ups and downs during the season, but at the end of it, you're going to play. Uh, at a high level, and I think that's going to get them going going into the playoffs. And I think uh, that that's one of the main things is sometimes you kind of go through these rough patches, go through that adversity, and that's going to help you get to the playoffs. I would agree with you, and they're replacing a lot of talent from last oh, year. Oh, absolutely. Team. So, uh, yeah, we I guess we're thinking that the three three uh, sorry the the two three a volleyball district championship probably comes down to Denver City and Shallow Water, which I think we said earlier on. Which again. If if there's a match to watch, that's going to be the one. Is that second one? I know everyone wants to watch that first one, but that second one's going to have the pressure on whoever lost that first one. Mm-hmm. And of course, things can happen throughout the rest of the district that could maybe change the complexion of that match. But I think if you're kind of looking forward, which sometimes people do, if you look at that second one between Shallow Water and Denver City, see who's at home, and that could be the difference. And that's about it. Those are those are my thoughts this week. Well, it's been a fun one, man. I know uh, this one, everyone's going to be talking about how Texas Tech lost, but certainly there's some stuff happening here in the local scene on the Lone Star Varsity Athletes. Yes, of course. We're, we're, we're never losers in the high school scene. Absolutely. And not only that, but there's always winners in the Athletes of the Week poll. You can go to uh, twitter.com slash Lone Star Varsity or facebook.com slash Lone Star Varsity, and our polls are uh, pinned on there, so you can kind of find those. Vote for the three male athlete or one of the three male athletes and one of the female athletes to get our athlete of the week. Of course, uh, they get uh, publicized in the newspaper on Friday. The poll will actually end at noon Thursday, so we can kind of help uh, Mike out so we can get to his game and we can write that up. So that's a little bit of a change from prior years. That's just to kind of help us in that sense. Of course, we appreciate all the coaches that send us stats, uh, whether that's football, volleyball, at sports at LubbockOnline.com. Helps us a bunch because obviously there's a little bit less of us, so we appreciate you. And, and, and props to the tennis coaches, too, who are going through fall season. David right now. Denham. They, they, they've been on yeah. it. And Jonathan King. It, as I've told all of you, and I know some of the coaches listen, if you send us something, it will get in the paper. That's our biggest thing is we're trying to highlight uh, what the athletes do here, and there's certainly a lot of things to highlight, especially with the uh, LISD schools and tennis. Swimming is going to start coming up, so I'm sure I'll be hearing from uh, – my man, uh, oh man, oh, this is gonna kill me. Trey Hayes. Trey Hayes. Why I forget, but he's the coolest dude ever. Of course, we'll be uh, humid in the old aquatic center as well. But uh, I think that's a wrap, my man. That's a wrap. We're at 26 minutes. We appreciate y'all listening. That's another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. This is the week two version. We appreciate you listening. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. As always, joined by Michael Graham. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>